Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello, welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Dori. Yes, Kate. Greetings. Hello. Hello. People of Earth, welcome. (laughs) People not of Earth. We welcome you as well. Also welcome you. Yeah. Wouldn't that be... Do we have any Martian listeners? (laughs) What do you think think Martians do for self-care? Well, it's probably very dry on Mars. Yeah, so I would say that's need very to, hot. Yeah, they need to moisturize they a lot. A lot of sunscreen. Oh, a lot. Oh, yes. Every sun, day. And a lot of serums. They probably do. This podcast is topical for all creatures Mars, of space. get at us. Mars, welcome. <laughs> if you have any questions about how to live life in space, we're definitely not experts. No, but we could try to we'll answer definitely them. try. Oh, well, it's great to see you. It is great to see you as well. Thank yeah. you. How is life? Dory. I just came back from my first yoga class in almost a year because it was a yoga class in which I hurt my back sitting down. This was the actual class that you hurt your back A different in. one. Okay. I, I had a regular Sunday yoga class yes, that I, I would re- go to. I recall. Yeah. And then one day I went and I sat down and pulled a back muscle that has since taunted me for a year. 
a year in which I might add I have not done much about it. I just kind of kept on living with it. Except I feel like now you're doing something about it. I am. And I will say in my intention for this week, um, I... Spoiler. I know. Heads up. If you don't want to hear what my intention is, fast forward. But I am going... I I made an intention and then I've already followed through on it and it has to do with my back. So... Amazing. I'll share that later. I can't wait. Yeah. I just went to yoga this morning and it felt wonderful. You know, I am a certified yoga instructor. Oh, I am aware. Yeah. I did that 10 years ago. I was just having all these kind of like thoughts about what my yoga practice journey has been. Um... And it felt really good. Good. Yeah. I modified the fuck out of my yoga practice. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if you're not a, a yoga practitioner, I used a lot of props yep. and kind of did my own thing and did not push it. Good. Yeah. So it felt nice. I, I feel like I've become like the queen of modifying. It's very Workout freeing. classes. Well, yeah. I, I think because I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but the urge to like push myself as hard as possible totally is how I like existed in my 20s yeah and then after I had children my body changed and I couldn't I I kind of went the opposite right route root either one what do you say um I used to say root now I say route I say root in Massachusetts we say root I think yeah root nine root nine yeah root 128 shout out (laughs) shout out to anybody (laughs) listening while driving on those roots are there roots in California? No, we we and also in California we say like the yeah one hundred and one. It's weird, but but we say PCH, not the PCH. Why do we do things the way we do? I don't. Someone know. explained a language to us. <laughs> anyway, Dory, that's where I'm at. I did have a crying meltdown on Friday. Oh no! Wait, did I rub off on you? Maybe, but it felt I, I as I was crying, I was like, I need to get this out. I hadn't. I couldn't yeah. remember the last time I had cried. Yeah. And I was just like on my couch. I had like dropped, I had a situation with one of our kids and then my husband and I had talked about it, but we didn't have like a productive conversation because he was leaving for work. And I just sat on my couch and I was crying and I was just going, I'm so tired as I was crying just to like announce it to myself. It felt good. Yeah. And then I was like, I need to do something to like ground myself because I just feel like blah. So then I took a bath at, 8, 8.30 in the morning. You know, you, you texted me a picture of said bath. It looked very welcoming. Well, it was a bath lotion oil that you had gifted me mm. for the holiday season. Yes. And I just said to myself, like, what can I do to kind of, like, make me myself feel, like, calm, make me feel held? Yes. It looked like a potion. It was did it look like, like a potion? potion. Yeah, it was purple. Ugh. And I put two cups of Epsom salt. Ugh. And I put on the hydrogel face mask that past guest Ann Shen gifted me and you um and i blasted music and it felt really good it helped uh, me just kind of like calm down from the emotional release that's great so i just wanted to shout out anybody i love a daytime bath what a what a luxury to be able to take a daytime bath well we have we're very privileged to have a work from home lifestyle yes exactly no not everybody can have a crying meltdown and then take a bath so i see that that is a very lucky situation i also ice rolled the fuck out of my face oh amazing so there would be no swelling but anyway, it felt good. I just wanted to uh, shout out all the people who might have had crying meltdowns this week because it was it, – talk about self-care. Crying as self-care. Crying as self-care. 
Which you've been doing. I have been doing it. I didn't have a weepy week this week, though. I don't know what I mean, it was about well, that's good. the week it's before. Emotions, hormones, life. Hormones. Hormones are real. Um, I mean, as we're recording this today, I'm 29 weeks. Holy shit, Dory. That's far along. Yeah. Wow. He's the size of a butternut squash. Oh, delicious. Yeah. Matt was like, I like spaghetti squash better. <laughs> He's already passed. I mean, spaghetti <laughs> squash about the same size or a little smaller? You know, smaller. you can have a big spaghetti squash, a real jumbo spaghetti squash. That sounds good. Yeah, but I, I have always preferred butternut. Well, that you is can't my make squash a, of choice. can't make a soup out of a spaghetti squash. No, you cannot. You can make a bolognese, though. You can't. I would love a ranking of squash. I mean, that is very subjective. Acorn? I think mine would go butternut. <laughs> Story. Kombucha, uh, not oh, kabocha, kabocha, acorn, spaghetti. We are leaning in so hard to the delicious dishness <laughs> of this podcast. I mean, I mean, we we are who we are. It's true. I would think butternut would be my first. Yeah. How can you not like a butternut squash? What is wrong with my husband? Nothing. It's just you know we each have our own preferences in the squash family. I guess that's true. But you're feeling less emotional this week, even as you embark on. The 29th week of pregnancy? Yeah, I am. I Yeah, I don't know. I, I have not been sleeping very well, but I'm just rolling with it. That happens. I, yeah. I recall that from my third trimester. And that's also when everybody's like, sleep before the baby comes. Yeah, sleep now. Like, and you're like, I can't. I have to pee a hundred times. <laughs> and there's like a very hard thing attached to my body that now moves. Yeah. He All moves, the time. He moves a lot. He's not, but he's not painfully moving around yet. Like he's not kicking me hard. I'm sure that is coming. Um, also knock on wood. Like I'm, I'm having trouble sleeping because I have to get up to pee and then I can't fall back asleep, but I'm not in pain. Great. Which I'm very grateful for. And I feel like it's probably coming. So I'm just hoping to enjoy these <laughs> these days these pain-free days that's great yeah what a spin what a reframe what a reframe um what else has been happening with you well you know what i have meal trained twice in the last week because friends are having a good baby friend i i like to feed i maybe food is becoming i wouldn't say a love language language. no it's not food is my panic attack language Mm. but what's happening is that acts of service your love language uh, for other people? Yeah. No. I don't know if I have a love language. No, you do. I'm selfish. You have to take the quiz. I, I have taken it. I know the thing oh. I want people to do for me. Which is? Give me gifts. Okay. But <laughs> that's not thing. But that's not your... I forget what mine is. Okay. I only retained what I want. This is, tells you I'm a very self-absorbed <laughs> love language person. I know what I want. Don't know what the I way I my, give. I think mine is the same. You want quality gifts? time. Oh, like that's I, my husband's. I want quality time and I also want to give quality time. Mine might be acts of service. I can't remember. Anyway, you've okay. been meal training. Yes, Dory. And I and a couple I posted a picture of a salad I made, and many people on Instagram are like, what is this recipe? And so I just wanted to share a couple meal train deets. Great. Because also there were questions of like, what could I bring? Yes. So I have um a couple of recommendations. One, my friend Joy. Hello, shout out, Joy, recommended this turkey enchilada recipe from the America's Test Kitchen Simple Recipes Cookbook, which I then purchased. I get this cookbook. It's so great. 
I love this cookbook. We've talked about it on a past episode. So there is a turkey enchilada recipe that is very easy that I have now made a bunch of times. And your kids love it. My kids eat it. My husband eats it. We all eat it. And I now can make that and not worry that it's going to be gross. Right. So I'll make that. And also it's easy to, it's an easy meal train item. They only have to heat it up for like 15 minutes and you're good to Mm. go. Then I just make a salad because one of my fondest memories from when I had a baby was a friend's who brought over a pizza and a salad so I could eat some veggies. Because you tend to get like a lot of... That was what I brought over last time I did a meal train. Yeah, salad. Salad and a pizza. That's perfect. Because you're Except then the person I brought it to was like... Oh, my my baby has colic, so I'm oh, not no. eating dairy, And but I didn't know that. That's okay. But her family ate it. There you, go. <laughs> you, you did. It was your active service. Yes. So I just make a big salad um, with avocado, cucumber, carrots, mm. cherry tomatoes, corn, mm. lettuce, shallots, and then I make a lime vinaigrette. Oh, my goodness. Maybe I'll throw some black beans on there if I have the time. Look, I don't know if I'm going to have a meal train after I give birth, but I would love I will bring salad. you all this meal. I will bring a salad. <laughs> and then I ma- I've been making a person I mention now all the time on this podcast, my dear friend Elena, the yes. cook. Elena, the cook, let's call her. Has Now, yes. would you call her a chef? Yes. I, 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 I just call her a goddess. I mean, she's okay. just a wonderful friend and, and a true angel. Uh, and she who is a big fan of Pamela Salzman mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and recommended this breakfast cookie recipe, mm-hmm. which has no flour, mm-hmm. no eggs, no dairy. Mm-hmm. It's like oats, almond, ground almond meal, nuts, dried fruit, ban- mashed bananas, coconut Ooh. oil, cinnamon. Sounds yeah. vegan. I guess so. I see Lane, Lane's our vegan friends perking up. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been making, I made them for myself just because I was tr- testing it out first. And I'm very thoughtful them. of you. Well, I remember when my mother-in-law made me these like bran muffins after I had my first daughter and they were just like a great thing to grab in the morning or for like a pick-me-up snack that wasn't just like chips. You know what I mean? Totally. Like I wanted something filling that was like slightly um, filled with nutritional value. And so I've been making those as well. And they Ooh. can freeze or they can be in the fridge for like up to five days. You can find those on Pamela Salzman's website, but we'll link we'll to link. them. And they're delish. And I would recommend them for anybody. If you just need like a little breakfast food for yourself. I got to get these cookies. You also made something tasty. You and I were just cooking up a storm we this were. weekend. We were, it's, it's raining here in California. <laughs> and that means we were making stews. Yeah. I made a, I made a beef stew in, in the slow cooker. You know, we have an Instant Pot. I don't love the Instant Pot. I'm going to go on record. I think I've gone on record saying this. I just never, I never vibed with it. You got to make dried beans in there. I just never, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. The things that I made in there, I did not think came out that well. No judgment. And I have, I never used it as a slow cooker, but I've heard from people who have that it's not great. I don't love it as a slow cooker, I will say. Yeah, so I just busted out my regular old slow cooker my KitchenAid slow cooker, recommended by America's Test Kitchen. Our best friends. <laughs> they don't know it yet, but they're our best at friends. America's Test Kitchen. Um, and I made a beef stew that I found on the America's Test Kitchen website, um, which my husband has a subscription to because we love America's Test Kitchen. This podcast is not sponsored <laughs> nope. by America's Test Kitchen. We're just fan women. We sure are. Um and that was delicious, and I had it left for leftovers the next couple days, so that was good. And I've re- I've managed to reduce my takeout, which has been good. Save um, that money, yeah. 
So Matt and I ordered Chinese food on Saturday night, but like otherwise I've mostly been cooking. That's great. Which has been great. Um, the other thing, the other big thing that I did this week is I made a schedule on a dry erase board that we weren't using. We had a, we had bought a weekly dry erase board, but it just, we just never used it. We just only used the monthly one. And so I use, I'm using that for dog training. And it's just making me feel more in control of what I need to do for Bo before the baby comes. All right. I reached out to our trainer and I was like, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. This is a lot. Yeah. Help. Um, and she kind of broke it down for me and was like, she didn't tell me exactly what to do, but she was like, you only need to spend like two minutes a day on these exercises. This one takes a little longer. Don't do more than five exercises a day. I rotate them. Like she just kind of like walked me through how to design a schedule. And then I put in my calendar training. Like I set aside half an hour a day. I looked at my calendar. I was like, when can I set aside half an hour? And I don't even need half an hour. You need like 15 or 20 minutes. But I needed it in my calendar to know I was going to do it. You have to schedule everything. Have to schedule everything. So now did Bo put it in his calendar? He did. Does he use Google calendars, Wonderlist? Um, well, is he bullet journaling? He is not bullet journaling. He has a Google calendar. Okay, I have to it. remind him to check it. He also doesn't have a phone. <laughs> For not letting him until he's in middle school. Exactly. He'd just be texting me like all the time. He would. Um, so that has been, that's just like, it's like one of those things that it's just making me feel a little calmer about the situation, like that I have it in control. Like I sort of have it under control. You do. Um, I also decided I, I didn't, I didn't buy anything in January clothes wise. Me neither. Yeah. You kind of like influenced me. Um, it's also like, I'm not in the mood to buy anything because I'm, your body's changing, my body's changing, but it's also like, I haven't really bought anything, but I also decided I have a final few things to sell slash donate whatever. And I'm like, I cannot buy anything clothes shoes accessories until it is all gone i'm down to like the final few way to go yeah it feels good <sighs> yeah so that is all that has all been happening can we just take a moment to shout out the fact that we both have some cool nails right now oh you're powder dipping i sure can and i have gel mm-hmm. extensions i think is what they are I had posted a picture of my hands on Instagram and a, a listener was like, what are you talking about when you hate your hands? Those are amazing. And I was like, these are fake. I have fake nails on right now. They look it's great. great. I'm enjoying the experience of having long fake nails. Yeah. So and you, those are your real nails. These are my real mm-hmm. nails. And this is two and a half weeks after my manicure. Oh, those are nice. Okay. So I got into powder dip manicures because I had posted a picture of a gel manicure on Instagram and a couple people, including my dear friend, Melanie, were like, have you, but have you tried powder dip manicures? And I was like, no. And so the next time I got a manicure, I was like, let me try this. And I'm, I'm a big fan and my nails, I mean, the last, the first one I got, I was like, my nails are so strong and long. And now I feel like they're even stronger and longer. Stronger and longer. Stronger and longer. The Dory Shafrir nail story. <laughs> they look great. The other thing that I just want to mention, mention is we are considering, and I emphasize considering. We're literally 
exploring, we're exploring, researching, researching, gathering opinions on doing some kind of fan club membership program, Patreon, kind of in response to requests from listeners for additional content. Um, and the reason we are making this, we would make this a membership type program is because we're kind of at our limit bandwidth wise in terms of what we can do content wise without hiring Sammy for more sessions or, you know, we need more help if we're going to do more content. Um, but nothing will change with the current episodes if we decide to do this. And let's repeat. We if, might, we, yeah, this is yeah. if we're in the exploring phase. Yeah. So if we do it, we're just trying to figure out how to do it in a way that makes sense. And in a way that uh, anyone who listens who would want to sign up would like. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So we are doing a short survey um, to find out whether this is something people would potentially be interested in, what you would want it to entail, any other thoughts you have. We are open to them. Um, but again, nothing will change with the current episodes, with the Facebook groups, that everything you have now is staying. Yeah, that's a good way of putting yes. it. We don't, when we're curious of what people would want for additional yeah, content. Totally. Tell us. Tell us. So the link to the survey is in the show notes. Um, please take it. It takes five minutes. And we really appreciate it. And the, we very much appreciate your feedback. incredibly helpful. Yeah. So, so thank you for taking the thank time. You. And thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. We're going to take a short break. 
put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like, get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it could like, be. Yes. Also, like, summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from Quince. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college, so this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, 
even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Our guest today is Ashley Ford. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, and here is a quick bio about Ashley. Ashley C. Ford lives in Brooklyn by way of Indiana. She has written or guest edited for The Guardian, Elle, BuzzFeed, Out Magazine, Slate, Teen Vogue, New York Magazine, Lenny Letter, Into, and various other web and print publications. She's taught creative nonfiction writing at the New School and Catapult, and has also had her work listed among Long Form and Long Reads Best of 2017. She's currently writing her memoir, Somebody's Daughter, which will be published by Flatiron Books under the imprint and Oprah book. Ford currently hosts Profile by BuzzFeed News and is the former host of Brooklyn-based news and culture TV show and podcast, 112BK. She is also working on a collection of interviews called B-Side Chats with her husband, Kelly Stacy. She's a very impressive human. We are so glad to have her on the show. And we're so glad to have you talking about love for our Valentine's Day episode. Well, I love talking about love. It's so funny. My assistant told me, you know, well, you know, they're thinking about talking about love. What do you think about that? I was like, uh, <laughs> that's the only thing I ever want to talk about. Yay. So yes, please. Well, we were like, who would be good to talk about love on Valentine? And we were like, Ashley Ford. We got very excited. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're, we were so thrilled that you were coming on the show. Um, so let's talk about love. You've written about living in and loving New York, learning to love your mm-hmm. body, love and mental illness, falling in love with Kelly, do you feel that love is kind of the driving force behind most things that humans do? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think it is our most, I think it's the driving force beyond survival, just period. Either wanting to feel worthy of love, Mm. even if it's worthy of your own love for yourself or wanting to feel worthy of love from others. I think that that's the driving force for most things, if not all things. And I think that most of the things that we struggle with in the world right now are really people who have been told that things that aren't love are love, or that they're important factors in love when they're not. What do you mean by that? 
Um, I think a lot of the things that we struggle with culturally, you know, and people will go into politics and stuff like that. But I think it all starts culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with what we've been told love looks like. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think if you're told that um, love is really only supposed to exist, whether you're told directly or indirectly, if you're told love is really only supposed to exist between two people who look a certain way and that mm-hmm. that's what makes the love special mm. or useful or mm-hmm. that's what it makes it the right kind mm-hmm. or that's how you please the people that you love is by loving a specific way. Mm-hmm. Um I think that it just, you start to defend that ferociously and it's so misguided and it's so sad and it comes, like, it has to be coupled with a lot of other things. It has to be coupled with a lot of other things to break down and to really have that feeling. But yeah, I think it really ultimately really does come down to like people in search of love Mm -hmm. in a certain sense. And I, and you get a lot of pushback from that because I think I think people might define, a lot of people might define love differently than I do. How do you define love? Um, I think of love as something very active. Mm -hmm. And I think of love as something um, that is pure in the sense that it forces you to go beyond your initial reactions to whatever you just want to do. Hmm. Um, Like... Like, I think love requires accountability. Mm -hmm. I think that if I love someone and they do something bad, that my initial reaction because of my love for them is that I just want to protect them from anything bad, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want them to feel bad. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to feel the consequences of that action because I know it's going to hurt. Right. I know that one way or another, it's going to hurt. So I just like, I want to jump in there and I want to protect and I want to keep it from them. But that's not actually the loving thing to do because I love them. I understand that knowing the consequences of your actions and feeling that is part of becoming the kind of person in the world that you can love. I want you to be able to love yourself. Mm -hmm. I want you to look at yourself and see somebody who's worthy of love and care and consideration. And I know that in order for you to feel that way about yourself, you have to know what it means to love and care and be considerate of Mm -hmm. other people. You hear it a lot, like uh, when when people are talking about dating and finding someone, you hear a lot of people say you have to love yourself before, you know, you can find love. Do you think that that's true? I think you have to love yourself in the way you want to love somebody else. Mm. Absolutely. I think if you don't know what it feels like to receive something like if you can't feel what it feels like to receive something, then you devalue it. Yeah. You are like, I'll put it. One of the things that I wrote about recently um, was the fact that my mother-in-law now, my mother-in-law at the time, my prospective (laughs) mother-in-law wanted to throw us an engagement party and I wanted to have it and I, you know, thought it would be fun, but I was also immediately stressed out because I knew that all of my 
at the time fiance, my husband now, but at the time my fiance, I knew that all of his family would show up. I knew extended family would show up. I knew his aunt who lived in California was going to fly out, hit her, all of her best friends who are like his aunts who aren't even related to him (laughs) were going to fly out. You know, I knew that that was going to happen. And I knew that there was a good chance that almost nobody from my family would show Mm. up. And I knew that because that's just not the kind of thing my family has traditionally valued. Yeah, Everybody has always lived so close to each other that like going out of your way to travel to something for somebody wasn't valued. Mm -hmm. It just didn't make sense. And I didn't value it. When I went to school, when I went away to college, you know, first in my family to do that and people would live far away. I never visit. I had no idea that that was a thing people would even expect of me. Right. You know, and I think that I was a person who wanted people to show up for me, but because nobody around me valued it, Mm. I had to devalue it so that I wouldn't constantly be disappointed. But what did that do? When I started having relationships and friendships with other people who I loved and part of showing that love for them was me showing up, I didn't know how to value it. I thought they were being ridiculous. It was like, why does it matter if I'm there or not? Why does it matter if I could show up to this thing or not? Clearly, I'm saying I love you and I care about you. I don't need that. So why do you? I couldn't figure it out until it was something that I started to to like have in my own life until people started showing up for me and kind of demanding that I allow them to show up for me. And then did you start to reciprocate and see, see that relationship between as you showed up for others? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm lucky, right? (laughs) I'm lucky in that there were people in my life who were like, no, When you have an important thing, you tell me about it. That's important Mm. that you allow me to show up for you. And if I hadn't had that, it's like, I mean, even now it's hard for me to ask people to come to things for me, you know, but sending out my wedding invitations was the hardest thing in the world. What if they don't show up? What if nobody Mm. cares? You know, like I just had this thing, like asking people to show up was the hardest thing in the world and doing it for other people. What if I, what if I didn't know the rules? What if I showed up wrong? What if I wore the wrong thing? What if I said the wrong thing? How did it go then with your wedding and people showing up? Because, you know, without at risk of sounding a little too Instagram creepy, I did follow your wedding very actively (laughs) on your Instagram and loved every second of it. And so how, how was that when people did show up for you in that way? Overwhelming. Yeah. I had a really, really big crash after my wedding emotionally, not just from like being tired, from being busy or, you know, different things that were going on in that, you know, case. No, I, I was overwhelmed by how many people had showed up, especially given that because of uh, an issue with our invitations, nobody got their invitations <gasps> until probably three days before. What? Oh my gosh. Oh no. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. That gives we me. invited, we invited, I think altogether we sent out about 230 invitations and nobody got them 
until the earliest anybody got them was three days before the wedding. Some people, I'm not kidding. Somebody sent me a photo two weeks ago of their oh. invitation that had just shown up. What? Um, yeah, it was a disaster. But you know what? 200 people showed up to oh my, my gosh, wedding. Wow. That gives me chills. Whew. 200 people showed up. And I... I was over. I didn't expect it. I was completely overwhelmed. My, fr- I have friends from New York show up. I had friends from California show up, Texas. I had friends from all over the country at show up to my wedding. Um, and I, and I just, I was so overwhelmed by it. And the wedding actually, I mean, that was a huge thing in forcing me to confront um, my, my just almost rabid inability to ask for help. Mm. I mean, just a ferocious inability to ask for help or to have reasonable expectations of other people. Multiple people had to sit me down over the course of uh, the, the year and a half of wedding planning and say, I am here to help you. Mm. And I'm literally not letting you get up until you tell me one thing I can do to help you. How did Kelly deal with this? I mean, the way he always does. A lot of pep talks. (laughs) (laughs) A ton of pep talks. And, uh, you know, Kelly's really good, I think, at letting me know ahead of my own reactions how he's going to be there for me when Mm. I react that way. Wow. He's so supportive. He's very supportive. He's very supportive. At times, it's infuriating because it. sometimes I look at him and I'm like, why is it so natural for you? Mm. Like, why is it so easy for you to look at me and just see that I'm having a bad time and know either what to say to help me or just know that, like, something's happening right now because I don't even know something's happening sometimes, you know? And I think, no, I'm being normal. Why is everybody else being weird? And he's like, okay, all right. <laughs> I know let's, he- uh, let's take a step back. Let's drink some water. <laughs> water always solves everything. Yeah, seriously. I know, water I know solves a lot in our house. You guys have been together for a while. I know you're newlyweds, but your relationship mm-hmm. has been ongoing for a long time. How has communicating with each other been? We get a lot of questions from listeners about how to communicate wants to their partners Mm -hmm. in a way that's productive and not, um, I guess, antagonistic might be the word I'm looking for. And I'm curious, Mm -hmm. how how have you two as a couple worked on communicating your needs? Well, you know, one of the things that Kelly said when we, um, right in the beginning of us dating, and I, I think I've written about this before. I've definitely said something about it publicly before because every once in a while somebody repeats it back to me. Um, but, but, uh, when we were first starting to date, Kelly, like we've said, is really communicative. He's, um, incredibly considerate and thoughtful. And I could not keep up, or at least I felt like Mm. I couldn't keep up. You know, like he would send me a love letter. He would send me texts in the morning that would just say, I hope you have a great day. Like these things that I would never think to do because nobody had ever paid that much attention to me. So I I think that I didn't even know how to pay attention to someone the way 
um, that was very kind and consider and just really thoughtful. And I had a conversation with him where, you know, I was in a place in my life where I was trying to be more open about my feelings. And, you know, I had been in therapy for a while and I said, hey, this is what I'm feeling. I feel like I can't keep up. I feel like you're so much better at being romantic and, you know, all these other things than I am. And it's like, I'm never going to be able to catch up, you know, like I'm never going to be able to like get you back for all the kind things you're doing for me. And he said, Hey, um, we're on the same team. Mm. You don't score points against somebody who's on the same team. He was like, everything I do, I'm doing for the team. I'm doing for the health of the team. I'm doing so that like, you know, this thing that hopefully we're building together, you know, makes sense for both of us and that you feel good. He's like, I just want to make your day. Like, I just want to make you feel good. And I was like, what? Like, it made no (laughs) sense to me. We're a team? It made no sense to me. I was like, what do you mean? Like, up until that point, it was the first time that, like, even though I don't think it was the first relationship in my life that wasn't transactional, um, it was the first time I realized a relationship in my life wasn't transactional. Wow. Every other relationship in my life, every other close relationship, I, I, absolutely assumed that we were trying to match each other, Mm. that we were trying to, you do this for me and then I'll do this for you, you know? And I had no problem if I was like more of a giver because it just seemed like, well, that's good. If I'm more of the giver, that means I'm never behind. Mm. I'm never the one who's not doing enough in the relationship, you know? And it was only then that I was like, oh, this is supposed to be about like the health of the relationship. Like before that, every argument was like, if I'm not wrong, if I'm right in this argument, then it's not my fault that there's an argument and solving whatever the problem is, is then not my problem. Mm. It's their problem because they're the ones with the problem because I'm right. And with Kel, sorry, (laughs) Sorry. I I was going to say with Kel, you know, like that was the first time that I started practicing, like, what if it doesn't matter who's right? What if this is just a problem, you know, or uh, we keep having or an argument we keep having and we just need to figure out what the root of this argument is and go figure that out together. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid forties, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, Okay. Which is visible on my (sighs) neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really 
help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. I was just going to ask if that was something that you came to on your own or if you and Kel have been to couples therapy together or kind of what that process has been like. That like the being on the same team thing is definitely something that we came to early in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So that was on our own. But we've been in couples therapy for almost a year. Wow. Um, And we love couples therapy. Mm -hmm. We love it. We have an amazing couples therapist. Um, We see her. We try to see her at least every other week. Um, just to catch up, just to get on the same page about things, whatever it is to check in on the health of the relationship. Like that's just really important. Mm-hmm. You know, Kelly had, Kelly was not really a therapy person. He did not mess with therapy. He had, you know, like that just wasn't his bad. And, but when we started last year, there was just a lot, like you said, like you read out my bio and I'm like, God, most of that's last year. Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, 2018 was wild. We got married. We took a bunch of like trips. We like I sold my book. I've been working on my book. Like mm-hmm. it was just one thing after another, after another. And, you know, a lot of that we knew was happening at the beginning of the year. And so we looked at each other and we're like, this is going to be rough. Like this is going to be rough on us. This is going to be rough on our lives. It's going to be a lot of fun but it's going to be rough. Yeah. How do we get ahead of the inevitable, which is kind of just getting tired of each other you yeah. know, <laughs> and being confused and not having the same definition for words and all of that. Do you have thoughts for a person who wants to go to couples therapy with their partner, but the partner is hesitant or resisting or flat out says no? Um, uh, I guess the thing that I always think of in that moment is you got to figure out what the stakes are in this relationship for both of you. First of all, like, are you guys really on the same page about what the stakes are? Because it's really hard for me to think that 
people who are on the same page, like this, like I am as invested as you are, won't do everything they can mm. to try to help the relationship. So, for, but that's not always the case. I'm just saying, make sure that you're on the same page about what the stakes are in the relationship. And then from there, I think it's more so about having the conversation with them about if like, then what's making you uncomfortable about the idea of therapy? Is it that you don't want to be in therapy with me? Is Mm. it that you don't want to see my therapist? Is it that you don't want me to see your therapist? Is it, you know, like really break down what the problem is and why they don't want to have therapy? Because some people, you know, may have had bad experiences with therapy in the past, you know? And if that's the case, you don't want to re-traumatize that person, but you do need to at least understand what the resistance is. And if that is specifically a resistance, then that person should then want to work with you to find out a reasonable alternative that works for you both. Mm. But it's got to be reasonable. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes we think if I want this specific thing and the other person doesn't want that specific thing, then it's just not going to work. But a lot of times it's like, how specific does it have to be? You know, Mm -hmm. and you won't know that unless you just drill down and have the conversation with that person and stay in the place of uncomfortableness because it's going to be uncomfortable. There are a lot of times when Kelly and I start talking about each other, something and we are looking at each other wide-eyed, like, <laughs> what are we talking? You know, like, like how weird can this get, you know? But those conversations ultimately lead to this feeling of immense safety, with the person I spend the most time around in my life. And if I can't be alone personally, if I can't be alone, then I want to feel comfortable in a way that is as close to being safely alone as possible. Oh, oh, Dory and I both had a question. <laughs> We're just so excited to talk to you. Well, I, you know, I want to talk a little bit um, and change the direction to the wonderful catch-all thrown around phrase, self-love, because it's, <laughs> it's mentioned all the time and like it's this easy thing to just acquire. And I'm, and I, I, I personally find it very challenging and a process. Me too. Yeah. Okay. Good. So I'm just kind of curious, like, what, what does that mean to you? What does it look like? And what's been your? I hate to use the word journey, but I'm going to use it. Mm-hmm. What has been your journey on the the path to exploring self love? Oh man, uh, it's been rough. <laughs> it's yep. been, it's been rough. Um, you know, I, I don't think I had a great foundation for self-love. I grew up in a home um, where I would not say I felt unloved. I knew that my mother loved me, Um, but I did not think my mother liked me (laughs) at all. Interesting. And I knew that my mother would keep me safe in a certain sense. I knew Um, in a certain sense that she was my protector and provider and all of those things. Um, But I I didn't feel particularly wanted. And like I said, I didn't feel particularly liked. And then what happened was I started going to school. And school was a completely different thing. I was 
for the most part, you know, except for a few bullies when I was in first and second grade, um, you get me into third grade and the difference between my home life and my school life is just vast. Like I was never a a quote unquote popular kid, but I was always well liked Mm. by teachers and students always. And at school, it seemed quite often that the more I was myself, like the more I let myself be a little bit weird and let myself talk about the things that, you know, I I was scared made me weird and things like that, the more people actually enjoyed me. And the more I was able to forge these closer relationships with people over music, over fashion, over, you know, just jokes over, you know, whatever it was like I was in band, I was in marching band, you know what I mean? And my marching band family was like my family. Mm. Like I was down for (laughs) marching band, you know? (laughs) And I, and, and, you know, but these people really, really, I mean, they cared for me and they, they cradled me in some cases in a way that I just never had been before. I had never been before. Um, and I think that that was really my adolescent years having that. It was my first taste of being loved as myself, but it was completely separate from my home life for me. Like, it was just like, I had like this cognitive dissonance. When I was home, it was one person. When I was out in the world, it was a completely different person. And so I just tried to be home as little as possible, which Mm -hmm. is why I went away to college, which is, you know, how I ended up in a situation where for the first time in my life, I was actually a physical minority. Up until I went to college, my school systems had always been predominantly Black. And then I went to college where it was, I believe when I started at my college, it was 11% Black on campus. And I thrived, but it was completely different because I was encountering things I never had before. I was encountering people who didn't understand my hair. I was Mm -hmm. encountering, you know, people who said ignorant things, believed ignorant things, things that because of my inverse experience of having grown up all around black people and then going to school with white people, like there was a certain kind of racism I didn't think existed yeah. until I got to college, you know, and having to deal with that was tough. It was so hard. And that was a different kind of blow to my self-esteem. Um, and, you know, it just continues from there. My relationships with men, my relationships with friends, my relationships with mentors, like just having this thing where I feel like it was just wall after wall after wall. And I just kept fortunately busting down these walls of self-hate and of, you know, just like um, at times self-disgust, like just not being able to deal with the reality of who I was and the reality of my life because it was so different from what everything around me told me was good or Mm -hmm. successful or what I was supposed to be and how I was supposed to be. And I don't think I really started getting to a place where I loved myself and was actively working on loving myself until I read The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown, which was in like 2012 or 2013. So recent-ish. Super recent. Yeah, I mean, that's the last, under 10 years ago. 
Yes, super recent. Absolutely. And how did that book Im- impact you? Um, what it did for the first time in my life, I think, was give me not just permission, but tell me it was good for me that I was vulnerable and kind of sensitive. Up until that point, I feel like everything else in my life had been telling me that in order to be successful and in order to accept my life in a certain sense, I had to build a wall really against vulnerability. And I needed to be less sensitive and I needed to be more practical. And I needed, you know, to just sort of like squash, squash, squash myself smaller and smaller. And, you know, I read this book and it's like, oh no, honey, actually you're supposed to be blooming, Mm. you know? Like you're not supposed to be crushing yourself back into the seed of a shale. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be growing, you know, and you're supposed to let the light in so that you can bloom. And it was revelatory for me because of the space I was in at that time in my life. I had been working three part-time jobs and I lost them all at the same time because my car broke down and I needed the car to do the three jobs. So my jobs were like, sorry, you don't have a car. You can't work here. And then I didn't have money for a car. And so I'm living, you know, with a friend and his brother and they're like, it's okay. It's fine. We got you. You'll figure it out, you know, and it's this completely loving gesture. But at the same time, what do I do with my time? You know, this is the first time I've been unemployed and out of school and all that in my life. So I go across the street to the library and I go to the self-help section and I pick up a book by Brene Brown, you know, that forces me to basically be like, look, you've been trying to fit yourself into this box to be successful the way other people said, you know, that's how it'll work. That's how you get successful. You've been trying to make that work and look at you. It hasn't worked. So why don't we try something different? Why don't we try doing what you actually want to do? And why don't we try not hating yourself in the process? And it just changed everything because it helped me just start a practice of that behavior. That's so powerful. Yeah, that's incredible. Ashley, I'm wondering what you would say to someone who is single and wants to be in a relationship. Um, There seems to be so much kind of cultural pressure, especially for women, not to... Mm not to seem desperate, quote unquote, um, mm-hmm. you know, not to show that they really want to be with someone. Um, and it, to me, it creates this situation where women feel shame around that. And that seems really sad to me, but I'm wondering kind of what you would say to someone about that and um, how to sort of get around that. You know, I, I guess there's really no shame. and. <laughs> Okay. This is what upsets me about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let me start there. This is what upsets me about that. What it's doing is essentially telling women that wanting makes you not good enough to be wanted. Mm -hmm. That having desire makes you undesirable. And as a 32 year old woman who's currently practicing having preferences, 
Like I have to practice saying what I want because for so long, I thought it was better to be so flexible that you don't know what you want so that you can always fit yourself into somebody else's, you know, like space that they've made for whatever they want. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I just... That, that, that hits very I close to home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I mean, but that's what I was doing yeah. forever. I'm just now unraveling that. And that started, that started in my relationships with men that I can track. Yeah. It started in my relationships with men with trying to just find my way into their life and thinking that my role into being my, my way into being desired by men was to find a way to fit into the life they already wanted for themselves mm-hmm. and not really have too many preferences for how I wanted my life to go so that I didn't have to worry about being held back by wanting too much. Now, when Kelly showed up on my doorstep after (laughs) I'm not, I mean, we had been dating, you know, we had dated in college and then we, you know, broken up, you know, as friends and stayed friends. But he showed up on my doorstep almost two years after that and kissed me and asked me if I was seeing anybody. And I said no. And we started talking and he told me that he wanted to be with me and that that's how he felt and that he didn't have any expectations of how I should feel. But it was important to him that I know how he felt. And I thought about it and I thought about whether or not I wanted to try to be with somebody who at the time lived in Seattle while I lived in Indianapolis. (laughs) And I thought, well, you know what? The least I can do is give him a a fair chance. So what I told him was, this is what I want in a partner. I want somebody who can be gentle with themselves. I want somebody who can be gentle with me. I want somebody who's considerate. Someday I want to get married. You know, like that's where I am in my life. And that's what I want, you know. So how do you feel about that? And to his credit, Kelly said, I don't know if I'm all those things right now, but I think I could be. And I'd like to find out with you. And so we started our relationship. But and I'm not saying that that's how it's going to go, you know, obviously for everybody. But I'm saying that, like, when Kelly and I got together, I was at a place where I had so learned to enjoy being by myself and loving myself. I had so learned to enjoy little moments on my own and to enjoy my solitude that by the time Kelly showed up, he had to be better than my solitude for me to even consider him. Yeah. And I had to let him know what what that looks like. What does it look like to be better than my solitude? What does it look like to be worth giving up you know, the two hour walk I take around this neighborhood every day and visiting that old ancient tree, you know, in silence and listening to music on my own, you know, something that I've, you know, really learned to love. How do I, how do I make sure that the time I spend with you is worth the time I'll miss, you know, like loving on myself? And he promised me that he would try to be worthy of that. And every single day, every single day, he has not let me down. 
I mean, <gasps> Dory and I have been making weepy, tingly faces <laughs> at each other this whole time you've been talking. What a what a person. Yeah. Kelly. But he's not a unicorn and he's True, not perfect. That's fair. <laughs> he's not a unicorn and he's not perfect. And he would be the first to tell you that he's not perfect. Actually, no, he wouldn't. Because you know why Kelly's not perfect? He has to be the good guy. He loves being mm. the good guy. He doesn't want to be the bad guy ever. And sometimes you do have to be the bad guy. Yeah. You know? And he's learning to do that. And he's learning to, you know, he's never had a problem sticking up for himself and he's never had a problem sticking up for the people who mean something to him. That's not it. But he can be conflict avoidant. You know, he's figuring that out. We're both figuring that stuff out. And it's it's actually like it's so awesome to have somebody witness you become a better person. Like that's so awesome. Because I'm not good at giving myself credit for my wins. But somebody who goes, hey, I've noticed you've been working on this and doing better. That's really cool. I'm proud of you. That's like, it makes my year. It's phenomenal. Every time. (sighs) Well, I think that's the perfect note to end on. Ashley, this was such a pleasure. I feel like we could have talked to you for hours and hours. You should maybe have a podcast about love. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> just putting that yeah. out there um, not, not like you don't already have a million things going yeah. on if you want to add to it <laughs> do that let me sleep first let me yeah. let me okay. take a nap fair enough <laughs> um well thank you again we're so thrilled to have you and um have a great rest of your day thank you dory thank you kate thank you this is, i love the podcast thank i was you. so excited when you guys asked me to come Yay. on so Aww. thank you for having me I'm thrilled thank to have you, you. yeah Okay, bye. So, Kate, before we get to intentions, I do just want to quickly mention that we are going to be at South by Southwest. Yay! Um, We are going to be doing a live Forever 35 podcast on Saturday, March 9th at 2 p.m. in the Brazos room at the JW Marriott. And it is only open to badge holders. So if you're going to South by Southwest and you have a badge, please come see us. Otherwise, unfortunately, they won't let you in. Um, But we are going to be interviewing the entrepreneur and fashion designer, Miranda Bennett. Miranda is amazing. She designs the most beautiful, sustainably made, ethically made, size inclusive clothing. And we're so excited to talk to her. So please come see us. We also need friendly faces in the audience. Um, If you are not a badge holder at South by Southwest, but you are going to be in Austin or you live in Austin, another opportunity to see us, which is the next day, we're going to be doing a meetup with Jackie Johnson of Natch Butte. It is a forever Natch 35 Butte meetup, forever Butte you know what I'm saying. Um, and it's going to be at a, an event space and makers space called craft in East Austin at 5 PM on Sunday, the 10th. And there will be an RSVP for that. That will be free and open to the public. Um, but we will have an RSVP for that shortly, but save the date. Okay. About those intentions. Okay. How is Google Keep, Dory? Google Keep is going pretty well. I look gotta at say. you. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes forget to look at it. 
That's fair. You were used to having a hard notepad. Yes. And I will say that that one thing that I don't quite know how to navigate is because I don't sleep with my phone in my bedroom. Yeah. I don't get to have that pre-bedtime brain dump. But, you know, I don't think you need to banish the notebook from your life. Like I should just do the brain dump in my notebook. Yeah. My, on my notepad. Yeah. I did that a couple nights. I'm going to do that more consistently because I think I still need that. And then I can just transfer it to Google Keep in the morning. And then that forces me to also to open Google Keep in the morning. Yes. And just have kind of a check-in. Exactly. I did a brain dump. I did have my phone by my bed last night and I was lying in bed trying to sleep. And I came up with like a idea for this thing I'm writing. And I was like, oh my God, remember it. And then I was like, I won't. So I opened Google Keep and I put it into Google Keep. Wait, are you still using Wonderlist? Yes, but for book ideas and writing ideas. Okay. I just write notes in Google Keep. Got it. Um, so how has re-adding the Freedom app uh, gone? Well, Dory, I didn't do a great job. Okay. But I have spent about the last like three days, not, uh, let's say, let's be generous. Let's say 36 hours. <laughs> not, sure. Not really looking at Twitter. Okay. I also took Facebook off my phone. Okay. And that's been really helpful too. And I moved the social media like hub on my phone way into the back. Mm -hmm. So I've mm -hmm. done a couple of things. I did put the freedom app back on, um, but I just haven't like totally set it up yet. So it's in progress. Okay. But I don't feel terrible about it. Okay. And what about this week? This week, um, as I had kind of mentioned, I knew what my intention was and I completed it. I need to see the doctor about my back pain mm -hmm. and make that appointment. And so I made the appointment. Okay, great. Done. I inspired myself. Well, I look forward intention. to hearing how it goes. Well, thank you. Me too. And so does my back. <laughs> what are you focusing on this week? Well, I have to deal with some Forever 35 tax stuff. Fun. Namely, Fun um, because we are a business now we are business ladies i would say business women sure we business persons i can keep going do you want me to keep nope. going no nope. okay um we need to file taxes yes <laughs> yes we do that's <laughs> terrifying and my accountant sent me sent me our accountant sent me a spreadsheet of like all the different expenses and et cetera that I just need to like plug everything into. It won't be so bad because we didn't officially become a company until October. So we only have like three months worth of income and expenses to deal with. Yes. That won't be, won't be killer. Correct. Yet. Um, so I would like to just get that done. So yeah. I believe in you. Thank you. And I'm here to help even though I don't understand taxes. They're like complicated, but not that complicated. Still scares me. Okay. Maybe we'll get through that together. <laughs> one, one day at a time. Okay. Dory. <sighs> yes. Let us part ways okay. with our listeners Sadly, now. Sadly, but okay. But we'll be back next week. We um, will be. If you would like to leave us a voicemail about anything at all, our number is 781-591-0390. And you can always email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash forever35podcast. There's a ton of spinoffs, um, a sexual, like a sex and sexual health one just launched. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So, you know, get in there. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend or mention us on the social media outlet of your choosing. And just a reminder that everything we mention 
is always on our website, forever35podcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod. And Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio and Lane Hammer is our assistant. Bye. Bye. And one last thing before we actually say goodbye, we want to take a second to tell you about a podcast we are very into called Dressed. Dory, have you ever really thought about your clothing and where it all actually like began, like the history of the swimsuit or how Frida Kahlo created her very iconic look? Kate, I can't say I have, but seeing as I've been very invested in being more conscious about my clothing and buying secondhand this year, I'd love to learn more about fashion history. Well, Laura, I almost just called you Lori. That is not my name. Dory, you're in luck because we have recently discovered Dressed, an awesome and educational podcast hosted by two fashion historians, April Callahan and Cassidy Zachary, and they explore the history of fashion from the controversial swimsuit to jewelry made of human hair. I'm intrigued. Yeah, that's an actual thing. And uh, that's just the tip of the fashion iceberg. And if you want to see exactly what they're talking about, they post to their Instagram at dressed underscore podcast with every episode. Thank you for that recommendation, Kate. I'm looking forward to really getting into their Instagram. So, dear listeners, if you are also interested in fashion history, you can listen to Dressed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.